welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. Good morning. It's good to be back with you this morning. It's Pentecost Sunday. It's the one day we get to wear the red. And many of you are in the spirit this morning with red. How wonderful is that? This is our one day that we have the red. And then we're going to move into the next season, which will all be green up until we get to Advent and start the liturgical calendar over again. Now, it's important to understand the liturgical calendar. Because just saying liturgical calendar gets you excited, doesn't it? There's two main points to know, and it's, it's featured here in the middle. Beginning in the late fall with Advent through late spring, we walk through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Actually, we go, we go before the birth, and then we get to the life, death, and resurrection. Beginning today through the end of the year, we focus on the church, the people of God empowered by the Spirit. And so... One half of the year is telling of the work of God through Jesus. The second half of the year is telling of the work of God and the people of God, the church. So don't be confused when you see next week that it's called ordinary time. There's nothing ordinary about it. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and we're going to tell the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit as given to us in the book we call Luke. But before we tell that story, we're going to revisit a story or make maybe you visit the story for the first time. Because some of you may be new to the faith or new to the Bible, or you just haven't read all of it yet. The first book, can anyone tell me what the first book of the Bible is? Genesis. Do you know what the word Genesis means? In the beginning. Yep. All five of the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they're named by the very first word in the book. That's how they're named. Genesis, in the beginning. So we begin our entire collection of Scripture in Genesis. And the first 11 chapters particularly are an opening act for the rest of the book. So Genesis 1 and 2 have creation accounts, and then we hear of the story of rebellion and sin, and then how that fractures human relationship with one another and fractures the relationship with God. And then through that, people grow violent until finally God and the great flood cleanses the earth and the story of Noah, but then sin comes right back on the scene and Noah's sons enter right back into the same story of rebellion. And so there's this opening story that this is the reality into which all things are experienced. Brokenness. Anybody here ever rebelled against God? If you didn't, you just told a fib and you just rebelled against God. So chapter 12 begins the story of Abraham where God works through people to bring about redemption. So the first 11 chapters are just setting the stage, 11 pages to set the stage for the story. The end of the act, this opening act, is chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Perhaps you've heard of this story. It reads, All people on the earth had one language and the same words. When they traveled east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them hard. They used bricks for stones and asphalt for mortar. 
They said, come, let's build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky, and let's make a name for ourselves so that we won't be dispersed over all the earth. Then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the humans built. And the Lord said, there is now one people, and they all have one language. This is what they have begun to do, and now all that they plan to do will be possible for them. Come, let's go down and mix up their language there so they won't understand each other's language. Then the Lord dispersed them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore it is named Babel, because there the Lord mixed up the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over all the earth. End of Act 1 begins the story of Abraham. It's kind of a weird story, isn't it? Maybe it's familiar, but if you really think about it, it's a weird story. The story of Babel is confusing, or at the very least, most of us confuse the story, which is kind of ironic if you think about it. That may come to you a little later. Basically, according to the story, all people on earth were working to stay in one place, together as one giant group. We might say, well, it's it's not too bad of a story, right? They're doing this through the development of technology, through bricks and mortar, which is a huge innovation because now they can build things really high without worrying that it'll collapse. The command God had given way back in chapter 1 was multiply and fill the earth. These people wanted to stay together in one place. They didn't want to fill the earth. They multiplied, but they were going to build things up instead of out. As image bearers, they were instructed to subdue the earth or take charge of it, take care of it, do as God would do, care for, make sure it flourishes. But they didn't want to do their job. And instead, they wanted to stay together and build a city. Now, the story of the Bible ends with a great city in Revelation. The very end of Revelation is a great city coming down to earth and all people residing in that city. That's how the story ends. So why at the beginning when a city is built is this an issue? Because they had done it by their own will and volition. They had done it with their own knowledge that they took rather than received. God has a different will for humanity and said, go and take care of the earth. If they're not around the earth, who's there to take care of it? God comes down. This is kind of one of the weird parts. God comes down and walks around to inspect it. Could God not see the tower until walking around below? It's odd to picture God that way. And anyway, God sees the tower, realizes human potential, and then turns to somebody and says, hey, let's go down and confuse them. Mix up their language so they won't understand each other. And if we don't understand each other, we fear each other. Amen? And so God's will happens, different languages, and people disperse. The tower is called Babel. Now, the reason it's named that is not because it sounds like our word Babel. You may be shocked to know this. The Bible was written long before the English language came. Babel is the name of the tower. If you were to say the word Babel in Hebrew, it sounds like fitfoot. It's not, not Babel. I had to look that up. Fitfoot. The significance of the word Babel is a foreshadowing later in the story of the great adversary of Israel who was dominating them at the time these stories were written down. Anyone guess the name of the city? 
Babylon. Babel becomes Babylon. All right. So let's stick to Pentecost. What's that have to do with this? God created humanity to fill the earth, to be image bearers, to help the earth flourish. Humanity tried to be like God on their own terms. And they tried to stay together and live life as they saw best rather than how God had instructed. God introduces different tongues of speech. People get confused and they leave. But they still, they spread and fill the earth. That was the intention. They spread all across it. But they still weren't taking care of it. We still struggle with this today, don't we? Fast forward to later in the Hebrew story, and one of the prophets is told that one day humanity will all be one again in this great vision that involves breath, that involves coming together in a recreation of all things humanity will be recreated. And one day there will be no borders. There will be no more rulers, but one. No more divisions, no more wars, no more politics. Oh my goodness, can we not wait till that day comes? People will be one. One. That idea is huge in the story of Jesus. The final instruction in the book of Matthew is for the disciples to go to all peoples, baptizing them, making disciples, teaching them. In John, Jesus prays specifically for unity, that disciples will be one with each other and one with Jesus, just as Jesus is one with God. And by the end of that gospel, that started to happen. In Luke, it's the same idea. Luke wrote Acts. Coming together of all the earth was always intended, except this time when people gathered together, it would be by God's way, through God's will, with God's Spirit connecting them. So at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus has ascended. The disciples are waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They're waiting. They're made to be patient. And that brings us to Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 21. When the Pentecost day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound from heaven like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all of the people who were speaking Galileans, every one of them? How then can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the regions of Libya, bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them saying, they're full of new wine. Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, Know this, 
Listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk as you suspect. After all, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be changed into darkness and the moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Did you catch the little echo at the beginning? And they were all gathered together in one place. Now, it goes on. Peter goes on for a while, says more. But at the very end, he says this. He says, therefore, let all Israel know beyond question that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the crowd heard this, they were deeply troubled. They said to Peter and the other apostles, what should we do? Peter replied, change your hearts and lives. Each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God invites. With many other words, he testified to them and encouraged them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. God brought about 3,000 people into the community that day. Quite a story. In Genesis 11, God acts to bring differing language to confuse the people and drive them apart. In Acts 2, God brings connection, despite the differing languages, to create community across the earth. Not uniformity, but unity. The time of living in division with borders and hostility and fear and on our own is over. The invitation has been offered. The Holy Spirit overcomes Babel to connect humanity once more, that we may no longer live confused and divided. We here today share connection with every Christian person across the planet. There are people who speak a language and who worship in a way that would look very strange to us, and yet we would have a connection. We could walk in that room and not be afraid. Amen? The great vision of God is that one day all of humanity will be connected as a family. All of humanity. That's the vision in Revelation. And that day is coming. If you believe the story in Revelation. For now, we celebrate the Holy Spirit here, as we share in that spirit together, that spirit through whom we grow, by whom we are removed from our own kind of Babel, where we fear and we gossip and we cling to every partisan narrative that someone decides to write, where we give up the fight of sides. We are worked out of these sinful habits of skepticism 
selfishness, egocentrism, and greed to overcome the Babel today so that, so that, friends, we are saved from the living death in which we might be walking even now. We are saved from the isolation that hatred creates. We're saved from the violence that hatred creates. We are saved from the pain that ravages all of our hearts, hurts all of our relationships with other human beings. We are saved from the temptation to serve ourselves instead of God. We are saved from the desire to live by what we think is best and rather to consider what God thinks and says and commands. We are saved from the kind of judgmentalism that may have you thinking that last sentence was meant for everyone else but you. So what do we do? We might ask the same question as that list of people standing before Peter and bless you, Mark, for going through all those names. No one would have wanted to read that and you just you were awesome. But they stood before Peter. What do we do? Peter said, repent, or the way he says it, change your hearts and lives. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Say yes to the invitation to exit Babel in a whole new way. Walk in the ways of the Spirit, which produces love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Let the Spirit guide you and all you say, and all you do, and all you think, and in all you are. And when we do these things, when we live this way, and don't think I've perfected it, Lord knows I am not. But I do know that when we live this way, and when we bear this fruit, people, complete strangers that might speak a different language, will look and recognize something is going on. There is the movement of the Spirit in a way that draws people in. Who doesn't get drawn in to the movement of the Spirit? We find in this life, they'll find in us familiarity. They may not understand. They'll find connection. They'll find family. We have that in this room through the grace and peace of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's a miracle. And our great symbol for this coming together, our acceptance of the invitation is the table. That's where we're all invited to sit down with one another. Not change our language, not change who we are, but come as we are. Sit at the table together and let the Spirit work. Work in this beautifully diverse and this holy united gathering of the body. Let us confess together in our bulletin here in a moment as we prepare ourselves for that table, as we accept the invitation to live into that spirit. Amen? We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.